For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's another full house this evening and that means I've once again gone for three in attack and leading the line this week is Cole. Cole, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good, thanks, Dan. And uh, looking forward to tonight's uh, pod and, and getting our usual therapy session out of the way. Absolutely. Um, James is on a scouting mission this week, which means I'm handing out another debut cap, and this time it goes in the direction of John Pritchard. So, John, it's a pleasure to have you on board. I hope all is well. Yeah, very well, thank you. I mean, uh, I mean, not all is well, obviously, after the result on the weekend, but there are positives to take from it, and I'm looking forward to uh, diving into it with you lovely chaps this evening. Yes, I think you're right. There are some positives. We'll try and sort of pick them apart in a bit. And also, Carl has been feverishly working away in the background trying to get this deal over the line. And I'm delighted to announce that joining us this evening is former Tottenham and England star Darren Anderton. So, Darren, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Thanks for your time, and I hope you're looking forward to chatting all things Tottenham. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Right, so before we chat all things Tottenham, I'll get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect Saturday and more in full. So as always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at Spurs underscore com. We're also on all the major, major audio platforms, which is Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it, we're on there. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business usually starts with Cole. Although, Cole, I don't think you'll mind this week if we hand the first question to Darren, will you? <laughs> no, I think we should go with someone who's got a little bit more knowledge than myself this week, Then, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I, think, I think that's a fair, uh, fair assessment. Anyway, so Darren, obviously <laughs> a loss on Saturday, albeit a slender one, which I guess continues our indifferent run of form at the moment. However, you know, you could have the caveat that we were up against a relentless Liverpool side. So what positives can we take from the weekend? Well, I think you've got to take positives that we that, that we hung in there um, and, and and had a right good go at them in the second half. I mean, they are, as you've just said, they are unstoppable at the moment. Not only as, you know, everyone talks about that front three, but they're, yeah, I mean, defensively as a team, they've, they've, they've just, they've got the right balance. They're the perfect football team at the moment. You know, I thought with the game, we started really well. And uh, I think when you Play, play like that early in the game against a team like Liverpool at the moment you need to try and get in front and then you can maybe play against them on the counter-attack you know Liverpool kind of you know once they got themselves going they were pretty comfortable in that first half um, got the goal and then from from there obviously it was always going to be an uphill uphill task but the uh, I, I was actually quite impressed with the way that they kept going and with a little bit of luck which you need when you know when things aren't going right for you at the moment and you're not playing at the your, your, your top level, you you do need something to go to go your way, and unfortunately, you know that didn't happen uh, at the weekend. To be fair, that's how, you know that's what happens when you play against these top teams as well. Liverpool, you know, they're getting all the breaks and that sort of thing at the moment. Not just Saturday, but in previous games. So, Carl, before the game, Jurgen Klopp said that he had something up his sleeve. Obviously, because you get the feeling or had the feeling that Tottenham are going to play more defensive. What with Mourinho at the uh, at the helm, so. You could argue they weren't necessarily at their blitzing best, but is that testament to the actual game plan that Mourinho set out to play? 
Yeah, I mean, Jose never kind of goes gung-ho in these side, in these games against big teams, does he? And I, and I think he had that plan, didn't he, to try and like keep us tight, you know, keep us in the game with, say, you know, 20 minutes, half hour to go and hope that we could possibly nick something because, you know, we've got the firepower ourselves to kind of go forward and attack teams and get, you know, score goals. Um, and obviously it kind of worked up to that point and... As Darren said earlier, you know, just a little bit of, you know, unfortunate finishing. Um, you know, I don't know how Lo Celso's managed to miss that chance from where he was. You know, that one is one of them that seems easier to score than miss. Um, but if that goes in and we get the point, then we'd all have come away saying, well, that was a point we never saw coming. Um, but yeah, you know, I think we kept ourselves tight. Um, because I think the first minute showed you that if, if you went gung-ho against Liverpool, they could tear you open, couldn't they? You know, it was one quick break and suddenly they've hit the post and you're thinking we could be a goal down within a minute. Um, but then we kind of recovered. Um, and I think the game plan kind of worked the way Jose probably would have wanted it to, you know. So there are some positives to take from the performance, you know. I know there's a lot of people who don't want to see us sit back and kind of play that defensive football. But you've got to pick your moments. And, you know, the, the way things have gone this season, it, we'd have been, it would have been madness for us to try and just go and take them on at their own game. Um, and, I, and I think the positives are there that we can possibly build on going forward now. And John... On the start of the game, I did a sort of quick straw poll just to get a sense of everyone's mood going into it. And I must admit, a lot of people were fearing the worst. And when I say the worst, I'm talking sort of four or five in terms of goals yeah. being shipped. So, you know, obviously that wasn't the case. Did that leave you pleasantly surprised? Like you sort of intimated there was positive. So what was your sort of feeling come full time? I, I mean, come full time, I sort of mirroring what the other two lads said. You know, I mean, going into the game, you, you're expecting against probably... A lot of people say the best side in, in world football at the moment. You're expecting to get hammered, right? But I think for once in a long time, we actually saw from a Tottenham team where they kind of bit down on their gum shield, you know, and said, yeah, let, let's have a good go at this. Let's just sit back and then try and catch them on that break. And, and, and let's be honest, we, we had chances that, I, I mean, I, I hate to be that guy to say, you know, what, what if Harry Kane was playing or what if, uh, if we had better finishes in our team, that if you played that game nine out of ten times, Nine out of ten times, we probably could have got a point out of that game if we took our chances. Um, and, yeah, just some unfortunate finishing. And, it's yeah, it, 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 it's a bit disappointing, but at the same time, I saw a lot of positives. Darren, at the start of the game, you mentioned that we played well, although it could have been the worst possible start because two, <laughs> two minutes in, there's the opening salvo from Liverpool. It's bounced about all over the place. Eventually, it's cleared by Jaffet in uh, Tanganga, sorry. What did you make of his overall performance, especially as it was his Premier League debut? I thought he'd done really well. I've got, got to say, I think it's, you know, he was definitely thrown in at the deep end, wasn't he? And against that front three, I, I mean, against that team, I thought he, he equipped himself brilliantly. And uh, it's obviously, you know, a real positive to be taken out of the game. I think he's, uh, you know, that that's what, you know, I think, Clubs that was the worry when Mourinho came. Will the youngsters get a chance? Will we, you know, will we do that? Because you know the clubs he's been at before. There's no doubt about it. He said, uh, you know, untold amounts of money to go out and buy the best players in the world. So um, it's. I think Tottenham always like to see the you know the youngsters given a chance, and, and that, that was nice to see a real positive on the day. And I'll stay with you, Darren, because football fans can be guilty of being, let's say, reactionary. And some are already saying that we've got the heir apparent to Jan Vertonghen. So, you know, <laughs> is that the case? Are we, are we a bit quick to make that conclusion? I think it's probably a little bit quicker and a little bit unfair to him to put him under pressure like that. But uh, it's it's what you want to see. You know, when you, you know, we're all sat here and we're worried about what's going to happen to the team, the squad and players leaving. So to have that 
you know to have that as a positive to, to to go against that that that's great that's what you want you want that from your squad you want youngsters coming through the system you want to on top of that go and buy top players that can mould into a system that the manager wants to build so uh, you know I think it's a great thing yes it is probably a little bit too, too soon to, to to do that let's see how, how how things are and you know a few months or even six months a year you know he's, he's a young lad it, there'll be lots of ups and downs on the way that's for sure Carl we spoke about the game plan just a few moments ago and unfortunately our resolve was broken just before half time so what did you make of the goal do you have to put your hands up and say that's a good bit of skill and a finish from Firmino or if you are pointing fingers is it sort of down to Alderweireld's perhaps scuff clearance just seconds before it was it was harsh, wasn't it? The goal. I mean, you could look at a few incidents leading up to the goal, couldn't you? You know, Aurier puts a tackle in on Mane, uh, which you then can see in a replay. You know, the ball comes off Mane before it goes out for the throw in. So in theory, should have probably been a throw in to us. Um, as you say, there's a scuff clearance. Um, I'm quite, you know, when I first looked at it, I was being quite critical with Deli Ali because I kind of felt he kind of pulled out of the tackle on the edge of the box against Henderson. Um, but that one is again a harsh one. Um, if you look at some of the replays on that goal now, if that's reviewed by VAR, you could say, does Henderson manage to get his hand to that ball, um, which also then helps it, you know, ping into the box. And again, we've seen this season that VAR would have ruled that out with the use of a hand in the build-up. Um, but then ultimately, when it breaks for Firmino, you know, he, he is quality, isn't he? And, and the way he kind of, you know, pulls the ball away from the defender and sets himself up for the shot. Um, that bit was a pure bit of skill. And it was just an unfortunate goal, wasn't it, really? You know, there were elements of it that you could say, you know, probably could have been stopped a little bit earlier. But, you know, listen, it, it happened. They took it, you know, Firmino takes it really well. Um, but then again, as we say, we, we didn't kind of collapse at that point, which, you know, that could have been the fear, couldn't it? That as soon as they get one, they then suddenly go off and suddenly start running rampant. Um, so, you know, that was showed a true test of character there for us because it, it would have been easy to fold, but we didn't. So we have to take some encouragement from that. John, Danny Rose, he got his first start, I believe, in the Premier League since October. So what did you make of his efforts? I mean, he's... Seems to be giving all he can, but is that really good enough at the moment? Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you pretty much uh, bang on there, Dan. I think, listen, I think Danny's been a great servant to us. He, he was obviously a part of of that team back in Pochettino. I think it was 2015-16 where we lost out on the title race to Leicester where we him and him and Carl Walker either side were flying forward and were some of the best fullbacks in the world at the time. But I, I think it's come to the point where, you know, you kind of just got to move on and say, all right, thank you for your service and within the most respectful manner say in essence you might not be as good as you once was you know and we see that with players getting older and um like you might pick up an injury I know he's had problems with his knees as well uh where he's undergone a lot of of injury rehab on certain injuries and I, I think it's just got to the point with with Danny where everyone everyone loves a, a good old Tottenham through and through kind of kind of guy but at the same time, you've got to look at it from a realistic point of view with is are we going to win a, a league title with Danny Rose at left back? And I just I can't see that happening. Darren, talking of Danny Rose and he's, I guess, I wouldn't be as far to say contract rebel, but obviously he's quite <laughs> happy to, to stay there and just see time out at Tottenham. Can you see where he's coming from? I mean, is this stance, I guess, a sign of player power? How does this one sort of play out over the next few, well, let's say weeks, because the transfer window opens, or sorry, closes at the end of January. So can you see a move for him or will he just dig his heels in? 
Yeah, it depends what, what sort of move became available for him. I think I don't. I think if there's not, you know, if it doesn't suit Danny, then Danny's not going anywhere. I think he's very strong-willed, isn't he? And he, I think he says certain things at times that probably doesn't probably don't need to be said uh, publicly. But you know, he's 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 honest, so you've got to give him credit for that. Um, I I don't think I don't see Danny going. I think as you've just said there before, guys, he's been fantastic for Spurs. Absolutely fantastic. I think. You know, part of you know a couple of really, you know, great teams that have nearly gone and done the done the whole lot. So, um, I think the Spurs fans should appreciate everything that he's done. But I do, I do understand a little bit of frustration towards him when he comes out and says those things. You know, in terms of playing and picking up injuries, it's tough to just come back in for one game, two gaming rest, or miss another five or six. You know, all players need a run in the team to get that match fitness and to be at their very best. Yes, he's now you know getting maybe past his best um, at the moment, or it certainly seems that by, you know, recent performances that we've seen from him. But uh, for me, I think he's still a player that isn't really, he's not going to let you down. And I think if he's in and around that squad, then that's that's not, not a bad thing. Carl, that was Tottenham's left back on Saturday. Liverpool's left back, Andy Robinson. Quite a robust tackle, we must be said. I mean, for you, should have been, there been sort of some form of discipline from the referee? You know, we have VAR on all this. That wasn't really calling to question. It had a look. It felt there was no reason for it. So what did you make of it? Yeah, I know that there's been a lot of controversy around this, isn't there, Dan? And a lot of Spurs supporters, you know, especially when you see the same weekend, you know, you see someone like Aubameyang get sent off for the kind of tackle he made. The only way I see that kind of differently is when you look at it, although it's a robust tackle, Andy Robertson does get to the ball first, doesn't he? And I think his motion of actually getting the ball first then brings his foot through the way it does. And then obviously, you know, in football, you will catch someone every now and then. Um, and then for me, the difference with the Abamyang tackle is Abamyang actually doesn't get nowhere near the ball. So that's why I think Abamyang's was a red and we haven't seen um, Robertson get dealt with by VAR when it's been looked at. So I've kind of got a little bit of sympathy with him. You know, he does win the ball. It is a hard tackle, but there are going to be times where by winning the ball, you may follow through and catch someone. For me, I, I wasn't so sure. You know, I wasn't as up in arms as I think some people were. Um, it looks worse in the replays, doesn't it? But I think a lot of tackles do. But that was the difference for me. Aubameyang doesn't get the ball at all. Robinson kind of does win the ball first and then goes through. But we've seen before, haven't we? You know, I think it's just, you know, it's just the luck of the draw. You know, we've seen Batongan get, you know, disciplined or booked for a similar tackle like that at Arsenal once where he does win the ball but then catches the guy on the follow-through. Um, so I think it's just, you know, Liverpool are getting getting a little bit of luck this season with some of these VAR decisions, aren't they? And maybe that's another one that's gone their way. Yeah, we won't go down the Liverpool route uh, tonight. I think there's been <laughs> enough of that. But, um, but John, that flashpoint came in the second half and it's fair to say that Tottenham were also guilty of flashing their chances. Hyunmin Song... I guess, was one of the main culprits for that. Personally, I felt he lacked composure when it mattered most. Is that a fair assessment, or did you see things differently? Uh, competing, I, th I think it kind of got down to where it's one of those things where he saw his names in headlights, or, or sorry, like his name in lights before the ball actually hit the back of the net, right? I think we was on top of him for a, a good period of time in that second half, and it was the whole knocking at the door scenario, and we thought, right, one of these chances are going to go in relatively soon, and with with someone like Sonny, who's usually so ruthless in front of goal, that would kind of be the guy you would want in front of the goal other than Harry Kane, right? And we've seen so many times he's provided big goals in big moments for us. And yeah, it was it was almost just like 
yeah, he had no composure to the ball. It was more like he just swung his leg and, and hoped for the best. But I also got to say credit to, I think it was Alexander Arnold who actually got back uh, to to make the challenge. But I, I still think a player of Song's calibre has to be hit in the back of the, the net there. And if that goes in, you can make the whole argument that it's a completely different game going forward and we can kind of go forward searching for those three points. Absolutely, John. I'll stay with you, actually. In terms of Son, some people have perhaps labelled him as a player that will go missing in big games. Is that a fair criticism? I think he's certainly been uh, been been guilty of it, but I don't think he's one of those players that when there's a big moment, he won't take it. As cliche as that does sound, him missing the chance against Liverpool. There has been so many times where he has stepped up and the likes of Harry Kane has been injured or... Our front, our front three haven't been taking their chances. He's he's the only one that has been taking them. I, I in terms of going missing, I would say it isn't. It isn't a fair assessment. I think it all comes down to how harsh you want to be, and if you're going to forget the fact that he has come up uh, in in the big moments for us in the past. So I, I think it's kind of more. Everyone's going to have their own opinion to to say on that one. Okay, Cole. I think you mentioned it earlier, but Lo Celso. I just watched Match of the Day earlier, just to sort of refresh my memory before this, and I still don't know how the effort does not go in, because that was the one, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, as I say, it is one of them, isn't it? You know, as soon as you saw that ball come across the face of the goal and where he's going to connect, you're just expecting the net to ripple. And as soon as he connects, it's a solid connection. And it is one of them that when it suddenly whizzes past and you realise it hasn't gone in, you're kind of scratching your head thinking, I don't understand how he's missed from there. Um, and it would have, it's unfortunate because that goal really could have kicked him on, couldn't he? You know, scoring that goal would have given him such a boost. And then obviously, you know, he, he could possibly kick his Spurs career on massively from there. But yeah, an unbelievable chance that I just couldn't believe didn't go in, Dan. Um, and yeah, you are left scratching your head thinking, well, you know, three or four yards out, how have you missed? But these things happened, didn't they, unfortunately? Yeah, I mean, I was in the North Stand and you're sort of almost waiting for the ball to go in. And you know, when it doesn't go in, you think, what's happened there? And it's just, you look around and everyone's just a gasp, you know, head in your hands and, you know, like, what can you do? But, Darren, of course, your career was built around being a midfielder. So I'd like to get your opinion on two players that pretty much are dividing opinion across social media at the moment. First up, Christian Eriksen. So as a football player yourself, can you look at him and say he's definitely holding back? You know, all this sort of dream move talk, is he looking at the fact that Harry Kane's now injured to April and thinking, oh, I don't want that because otherwise I might be sort of stuck on the treatment table for the next few months and I don't get to go abroad? Like, is downing tools the right yeah. phrase or is he not quite committing himself? What do you see it as? No, I don't. I don't I've got to say, I, I don't see it that way. I think that, you know, the way that Christian plays, you know, he's, he's a classy player, isn't he? He's not the sort that is running around you know, making last-ditch sliding tackles and all that sort of thing. He's just, he's in a very awkward position at the moment. He's obviously, you know, he's made his decision, it seems, that he wants to run his contract out, which he's entitled to do. Um, you know, I think, that, I just think everyone's frustrated with the whole situation. You know, people look at him and, you know, fans have a very negative feeling about him at the moment because, you know, he doesn't want to be there long-term. So, um when he does something that isn't great and he's like a, maybe if he hits a corner or a free kick and hits the, the first man, people are, you know, like, oh, look at that, that's useless. It's just an unfortunate situation for me. I, I mean, I love him as a player. I think that's the reality. I think all fans are just very disappointed that he's, he looks like he's not going to be there long term. But in terms of effort, no. I, I, he's, he gives his, his all every week. He's, he's got real quality. He makes 
you know, he wins us games. It's just a very sad situation. The club allowed it to to get to this. Really, that's that's my biggest disappointment with it all. For me, top top pass as a player, and just in a very awkward situation at the moment. Does this month sort of magnify the situation even more? Because it's January, like you say, if he does things wrong, if he's not hitting like the corners or the first man at the free kick yeah. and all that, I mean, and everyone goes, oh, it's January, he must be thinking of a move and all that. So if we get to sort of February, will that sort of talk die down slightly if he's still at the club and we can at least sort of then know that he will be at the club for four months and then you'd like to think, OK, well, this is the last of him. Hopefully we can actually get some good signs out of him. Well, I think that people will always say if he has a bad game, people are going to say, "Oh, yeah, look, see, no, he's, you know, his head's not in it. He doesn't, you know, he's trying to protect himself. For, you know, he doesn't want to pick up an injury because he's, you know, he's got this big move coming or whatever." Um, players don't do that. I think that you know, if you players started doing that, that's when you start picking up injuries, when you start pulling out of tackles and and not not concentrating on the right things which is giving 100 percent. that's when you i think you pick up injuries and so i don't see that happening i think that uh honestly it would probably be best if he wasn't if he were to go in january so that you know you know the manager has knows what he's got and, and is can get a replacement in all those sort of things and you know build for the future because you know it doesn't seem like he's going to be part of that Another midfielder I'd like to discuss with you is Harry Winks. Now, we all have an opinion on whether he's a Spurs kind of player, in inverted commas, and whether Mourinho will utilise him long term. So, for you, as someone who sort of played the game, what do you see in him and what do you consider his primary midfield role? Get get the ball and uh, and pass it to a, to a white shirt. Try to keep the ball moving. I think, you know, he's he reads for me, he reads the game really well, um, plays in there, knows his limitations, so he gets it and he gives it. Um, I'd like him to be a little bit more forward thinking at times in terms of before he receives the ball, he's he's aware of what's available further up the field. So like when that, from talking to myself, whenever I'm playing a game and I'm thinking, right, I'm making a, a position for someone to give me the ball, I'm already thinking, right, where's my pass? You know, I'm having a little look, where's Teddy, where's you know, Les, someone like So that's what I'd like to see from him more because I feel like he, he controls the ball, he then takes one touch, and then he looks forward. And by that point, defences are usually so tight these days that that pass into the number 10, into Deli Ali and Ericsson or Son is already closed up. So that's what I'd like to see from him. But as a player playing in that role, I think he does a great job. And um, I would be playing him, absolutely no doubt. He shows great, great energy. Um, I know Mourinho loves... Uh, Eric Dyer, and I think you know I've got no problems with Eric Dyer, but it's you know, and I'm you know, Mourinho wanted him at Manchester United when when he was there, but um, for me, I think that Winks just he's got he's got that energy and he gets about the place. So I think he's a, a top player. I'd, I'd, I'd have him in the team. Cole, I best we best discuss your mate Undombele. Are we almost in the territory where he's <laughs> going to be considered one of the flops of the Premier League season, especially when you consider the price tag that was required to bring him to North London? Yes, it's been it's been disappointing, isn't it? I, I think the biggest disappointment for us is that we can actually see that you know the player he can be, um, and that you know in the little flashes we have, you're sitting there thinking, wow, if we could have him fit every week, 
we'd probably be doing a little bit better than we are right now. And I think he has been a big loss for us. Um, but obviously, the real disappointment we have to have is that coming with that fee and that expectation and the fact that he was in early, you know, this wasn't one of the last minute deals on deadline day where you then expect a kind of, you know, catch up process. He was in early. They had all pre-season. And I think that's the real, you know, disappointing thing for me is that, you know, why is he kind of in the physical state he's in at the moment, given he was in early and we had the chance to get him fit and get him ready? Um, obviously, he, you know, he does remind me of a guy I used to play football with in, on a Sunday morning. You know, <laughs> like five minutes in, he's suddenly begging for a fag on the sidelines. But he's got that look about him, hasn't he? I think he is one of those players, as, as Darren said with Christian, you know, it reminds me of um, Berbatov as well. You know, they were never your kind of sprint around the pitch like lunatics. They were just classy, you know, they had their style about them. And I Very think Undenbelli's got that kind of, you know, style where he looks, you know, a bit like Chris Waddle used to, you know, never looked like they run comfortably. But I think we have seen enough that if we can get him fit and get him in the right mindset, then you know, there is a player there and, and, you know, hopefully he'll fulfil that potential that we brought him for because if he doesn't, then obviously, yeah, the club are looking at a massive loss on their hands if they can't get him right. I mean, I'll stay with you, Carl, but do we almost have to write the season off with him? You know, there's a, a lot there still to, to come from him, you like to think. He's still very young as a sort of a project, for use of a better term. You know, there's still more mileage in that, but I think the expectations this season perhaps might need to be limited now, mightn't they? Well, I'd like to think not. You know, if we can just get him right, there's enough football left where we can get the best out of him and he can contribute. So I'd like to think we w couldn't write this season off. But obviously, it all depends now on how much football we can get him playing. You know, if we're only going to see, you know, every fits and starts, one game here, one game there, then we may be looking at it until next season before we really do see the best from him. And Darren, talking about writing the season off, is it now a case of FA Cup or bust? Or with some more movement in the transfer market... Can that provide the necessary ignition spark to really ignite the race to the top four? I think we need to. I think that's there's no doubt about that. I think um, you know with Mourinho, I think we can attract the world's best players uh, as a club, as a stadium, everything about it. But you've got to be in that Champions League, and I think we have to have a real go in January to give ourselves a chance to get into that top four. So that I think is just so so important. Um, so that's that's what I would be hoping for. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. It does look like we're, we're we're trying, um, but you know, when you try, you got to obviously buy players that improve the team and improve the squad. So it's uh, it's not easy. You know, I like our squad. I like the players we got. Harry Kane injury is 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 a an, an absolute nightmare. Of course, you know, it, uh, you know our main our main man. But uh, you know, you got to deal with that. And and we have done and we've done it well in the past. So let, let's hope that we can do it again. And John, talking of movement in the transfer market, it does look incredibly likely that Jose Mourinho will sign his first player in the shape of Gedson Fernandez. So, does that provide cause of excitement for you, or are you just glad that we've identified the void that Sissoko's injury will now leave us? I, I think, yeah, Ashwin, what your last point was, I think that we've identified the fact that we've missed a very, well, we're missing, sorry, a very key part of our squad in Musa Sissoko, someone who, for a a good season or so has locked down that central midfield position in, in his and kind of really run our midfield in, in essence that we know how much of a big loss he's going to be. And I, th I feel like we had to hundred percent um, recruit someone else and bring someone else in to fill that gap. Now, obviously uh, it's very similar to the whole in Dumbele situation where it, it's a, a foreign player coming from a, 
not to disrespect the uh, the the Portuguese or French leagues, but not a so physical league, would you say, or so such a fast paced playing league to kind of be put straight into the Premier League and say, there you go, son, knock yourself out, have a crack at that, um, and to fill such an important role in that centre of midfield. Uh, I mean, Darren will probably know himself how important that that role is and. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a big, big test of that young man's character. And I mean, I trust Jose 100%. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a Portuguese uh, national player. I think he's been capped for Portuguese two or three times now. Yeah. And it's safe to say that he could potentially be the future of Spurs' midfield. You know, he's, he's 21 years old. So if, if it's not going to be a, a fiery start to or end to this season, should I say, there's always next season to kind of get that partnership with Ndombele, with Suzuka or whoever we're going to play in that, mid, uh, that midfield together. So it's exciting times to say the least. Well, of course, yes. I mean, if you believe the, the rumours and the shape of the deal, it's meant to be with the option to buy for £55 million the summer after next. So if he does prove he's worth, you know, maybe at the start of next season and, and beyond, then you think, yes, we've actually got a, a young, hungry midfield partnership which could serve us very well in the years ahead. Which you'd like to think, Cole, so from Harry Kane, he'll still have years ahead. However, out till April, you think now surely the club has to go out and buy forward. You know, even if we're talking £30 million, and we always sort of say, yes, but... Plan B and who'd want to be a backup, but you know, looking at the bench, we had a lot of creative players, but you just needed perhaps maybe a batting ram or something to just give you something different. Come you know those last minutes on Saturday. Yeah, it's been the position we've been crying out for for a few seasons now, hasn't it? Um, uh, my only thing here is I would like us to see us sign a more, um, if you like, Premiership proven player. Um, I know it's hard in January to kind of bring in real quality. If you was looking at the league right now, you've got the likes of Danny Ings. Um, you know, I like the look of Pookie from Norwich. Um, you know, it's always good to have a Pookie party. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the money that those clubs probably want out of Daniel's kind of remit, isn't it, at this time of year? Um, but those are the players that you kind of know could come in and hit the ground running. Whereas if we bring another, say, 30 mil um, guy from the French League or something like that, you are taking the risk that can they come in and do we have another Soldado or Janssen situation on our hands? Um, this is a real hard one. I never liked the idea of people supposedly coming just to play backup because for me, you know, Harry Kane can drop deeper if need be. You can play two players up front. We play a lot of games over the course of a season. So there's always games that someone can have. So I never liked the idea of someone, you know, supposedly being told you're coming in as a backup to Harry Kane. Um, for me, it's if you come in and you get a run and you start scoring, then Harry Kane has to fight for his position. You know, we know that the likely it is Kane will always play. But I think we do need to get someone in now that we can kind of rely on to be that man that, you know, possibly if it's not working, even with Harry Kane up front, then you can bring someone else on, maybe a different option, a pacey player. Um, that would be how I'd like to go at it. But in January, it's hard. But I think we will definitely bring someone in because we do need a natural striker, I think, now. Darren, would you advocate, you know, getting the kind of forward that can also play in a two, giving us an, a different option? How can you see Tottenham getting out of this sticky situation in terms of attack? Yeah, I think they definitely have to do that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when Potch was here, I mean, he always wanted to just play the one up top and then, you know, have the, the boys playing off of him, which was a system that obviously worked really well for, for us. For me, I, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with playing two up top, I think, especially if you've got the right sort of player who's clever enough to drop into midfield as well and, and link up the play. So, I, for me, absolutely no problem with that at all. But I have to say, I have to agree that, you know, 
what sort of players are going to want to come in. If they're the very, very best players, then they're not going to see themselves as backup. So, you know, they have to back themselves to, you know, challenge Harry Kane for that spot uh, as well. But like you said, there's so many games these days. But those players that you've mentioned, yeah, I mean, you know, someone like Ings, and that's, I mean, he would be fantastic for us, I think. And um, I'm sure he would jump at the opportunity to, to come and test himself at a top, top club again. Staying with you, Darren, from an England point of view, are they now set to reap the rewards of Kane's injury? Let's assume he's back from April, you know, he's got that injury out of the way, almost yeah. fit and raring to go for the Euros. You know, we always talk about players being burnt out by the end of the season. However, England, they, they're sort of, their cards might sort of land favourably for them, mightn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, I mean, Harry's played so much football over the last five years. It's You know, it's ridiculous. And he has picked up injuries as well. And he's always got to say he's uh he's always responded really well and when he's cut when he's come back um and of course you know i mean we all put lots of people spoke about the champions league final whether he should have played or not but you know in terms of when he does come back from injuries he's always you know he looks after himself he's a great pro a great lad um you know off the pitch he does everything right so um yeah but in terms of for england of course you know i played in you know a couple of tournaments and come back from injuries in order to do that and there's no doubt about it as long as you get you know a few games in at the end of the season or whatever it may be then you go into a, a tournament feeling fresh and, uh, and ready to go um, there's no doubt about it our our season is is tough and when you get to the end of a season um, of course you lift yourself to play for your country but sometimes the legs aren't where they need to be so with all the sports science and everything now it's it shouldn't be a problem, but it's more the mental aspect that sometimes gets the players. Carl, I've got a question from Nigel Johnston, who's been kind enough to ask this one. He says that we seem to have lost our fortress. You know, you look at the last season at White Hart Lane, absolute impenetrable, really, wasn't it? So he reckons there's now too many home defeats. Why is that? You know, is it due to the transition of managers, this stale squad? More importantly, how can we improve the situation? I think, unfortunately, the new ground came around, didn't it? When we, you know, those those two years away where we didn't really improve the squad the way we should have done. I think it's just a natural thing. You know, it's not like suddenly it's the new ground and we're struggling there. I think it's just the fact that the squad has moved on and kind of, you know, we're in the sort of decline, you would say, for certain players. Um, and unfortunately... I think that's all it's really down to. You know, if we'd moved into the new stadium, I think the season after White Hart Lane, we probably would have made that a fortress because we were a strong side at its peak at that point. I just think, unfortunately, a new ground has come around at the time where this squad now needs a refresh and, be like, as we always say, the painful rebuild. And that's why I think we're kind of seeing, unfortunately, we're a bit hit and miss there at the moment. Um, but I think, you know, obviously it's a brilliant stadium and if we can get the squad and get the rebuild in, there's no reason why we can't make that the same sort of fortress as we did White Hart Lane. John, anything to add on that point? Uh, I mean, I, I've been to the, the, the stadium and uh, a lot of the fixtures so far this season and I, I, I don't want to be kind of the, the one that kind of puts a, a, a downer on something, but I, I almost feel like the stadium's become not a place to watch football but more a attraction to visit um i remember one one particular game i was sat in in the north stand and i mean obviously everyone knows the the famous south stands kind of like the go gung-ho party central where all the quote-unquote diehard fans sit and uh, are singing loud but 
I mean, if you look look back to White Hart Lane, that place was rocking from the first minute of the game to the 90th minute. No matter what stand you sat in, even if you worked in the chip shop outside, you was you were singing along because you could hear it. That's how loud the place was. Um, but I, I remember I remember standing in the, in the north stand and everyone was singing "Oh, when the Spurs go marching in," right? And I was stood up and everyone was looking at me to think, "What is this guy doing?" And I was like, and I was looking at everyone else like, "What are you guys doing?" Like. You come to a football game to watch one of the best teams in the world in one of the in the best stadium in the world, and I just feel like there's so many people that are not engaged enough in football that are coming to our games. And I, I don't know if that's just me being very very harsh. I mean, I'm I'm a f- footballing fanatic. I've grew up watching the game. I used to be a season ticket holder at the lane before I moved uh, moved locations. I just don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of people that just go to the game for the sake of saying that I've been to the stadium, not to actually watch the team itself. I mean, Darren, there's no doubt that football yeah. is viewed as entertainment these days, you know, just due to the beauty of the Premier League and all that. But I think what John's sort of saying is part of that due to it being a new stadium and everyone's still trying to find their feet and their voices, so to speak. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything with that. And I think that John makes a, a good point. I think a lot of people go there and they're looking at it. They're not going to watch a football match. They're going to an event and um, and, a, and a very nice one at that. You know, as you say, it's, it is, you know, basically the the best stadium in the world so people different sorts of people are coming to watch the games there's no doubt about it um but it, it comes down to a you know the fans themselves to create the atmosphere the team to create to play the football that that creates that atmosphere by playing in a certain manner and and that's what it comes down to because you've got to say i mean the club have done an unbelievable job with the stadium compared to others for for instance, with you know, with the with the the end the south stand with that that cop end like Dortmund, that creates a, a, an amazing atmosphere, and that and that's what it's all about. Um, and it really is at the moment. The problem is that the team's not quite there at the moment. It's you know, it's all you know, week in week out. It's a lot, you know, there's a few nearly performances, you know, like like at the weekend, and that's what you need. You know, you need the team to get on a little run of winning games. At home, and then that, that that will build. There's no doubt about it. Moving into a new stadium, as such, even though it is on the same site, it is it isn't easy. There's no doubt about it. For away t- teams and away players going to play there for the first time, it's like a cup final. They're all up for it. They all want to play there. It's it's beautiful, and th- and that makes it difficult for the the home team themselves. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point you make there, Darren. Okay, Darren, we've got some questions for you okay. from our listeners. If that's all right, we've got about half a dozen. Okay. Okay. No problem. Right. So first up, AJ Barnett asks, "Did you ever think about the Euro '96 semi-final shot going in, as opposed to hitting the post when it left your foot? Were you almost peeling away in celebration?" Yeah, I, I was probably. Yeah, I mean, I actually because I was falling backwards as I as I hit it, the ball was a bit behind me. That once I got the connection on it, I presumed it was going in. Only to obviously once I rolled rolled over uh, to see that the ball was in the goalie's hands. I had no idea how it had happened or or anything. So. Um, I certainly wish it um, was a different result with, with, with the strike that I got on it. Cole, how old have you been? I would have been 12 at that night. So how old have you been, mate? Oh, fuck <laughs> it then. I'm getting too old to remember that. But I say now, I remember that night. And when you, you know, when you say, when you can see that ball hit the post and then obviously we have the chance where Gazza doesn't get his toe to that one to poke it in. I mean, that really was, you just felt, we, we would have won that if we'd got past Germany. I don't think there's sure. any doubt in that we would have won it. And, and I tell you now, the, the mayhem there would have been 
in the country if we had. But that yeah. still goes down with Italia 90 as probably the best ever football tournaments as a fan following England because yeah. we were on fire at that point. And, and the, the boys gave us some brilliant nights, you know, especially the, the Holland game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no one expected that. So, you know, no. that was a joyous tournament to watch. It really was. Within the camp, yeah. Darren, did you honestly feel like collectively that you felt football was coming home that year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, I mean, even on the bus on the way into the stadium, you know, like five, ten minutes before we got there, you know, going down Wembley Way and, you know, Al Shearer would put go up and put, put the song on and all that, you know, even in the warm up, I would stay out, a little, you know, stay out there a little bit longer so that I could, you know, hear it reverberate around the stadium before the game. It was just magical, magical times. And, you know, the fans, it just shows you, you know, the difference that it, can produce if the fans are, are like they were for that tournament. You know, the first game against Switzerland, we were rubbish. You know, the fans were really, you know, struggling to get behind us. And then once we beat Scotland, that was it. It was like, what a summer. <laughs> OK, I've got another one now from Matty French. He says that he was always a big fan of yours when he was younger. He considered you his favourite player. So he'd like to know, how did you stay positive when you were out injured? And more importantly, have you got any advice for the likes of, sort of Kane to Soko now they're going to be out for quite a while themselves? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I really struggled with it, to be fair. I was, you know, when I started picking up the injuries that I did, you know, I was on top of my game. I, you know, I was playing for England, playing Euro 96, um, loving being a, a Tottenham player. You know, I was, you know, I could have moved on, but I was loving it so much. I didn't want to go anywhere. So it was so frustrating. I, I really struggled to deal with it, to be honest. And I suppose that that was probably one of the things that, in hindsight, I wish that I could have dealt with it better. Then I wouldn't force myself to go out and play in games when I probably shouldn't have done, um, to, you know, made injuries worse and that sort of thing. So I suppose in terms of advice, that's, you know, I spoke to Harry and played golf with them and all that. I would always say just you listen to the people, you know, they, and you know yourself if you're right or not, you know, don't force it. Of course, you know, like the Champions League final, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to do that? Um, but, that is the big thing for me. If you go and play games when you're not 100%, then, you know, you might pick up other injuries or make the injury worse itself. So, um, you know, they got great people looking after them now. So a little bit different to my, my time, but that, that would be the biggest thing. OK, at Hijani from Twitter asks, I think he's done the maths. He says that he reckons you've worked under nine managers, including caretakers at Tottenham. So who's your favourite to work under? And would you be brave enough to offer your least favourite? So maybe the non-controversial <laughs> answer first. Terry Venables, different class, um, uh, an amazing man. You know, he'd been there, done it, was manager of Barcelona, brought me to the club. Tactically, he was so good. Um, you know, of course, the whole country then got to see how good he was, obviously, you know, with Euro 96 and being the manager of England. So, just, I was so, one of the biggest things is that he left Spurs a year after I got there. Um, and that was such a disappointment. And, you know, I don't think the club ever really recovered from it um, while I was there. So so that that would most certainly be the, the one that I love playing for the most in terms of <laughs> not probably Christian Grove. <laughs> for that might be the answer. You know, yeah, I mean, it, to be fair to him, he had ideas that the players just, you know, didn't get on board with. But some of the things that he did was... You know, he was ahead of his time in terms of a foreign manager and all these warm downs and all that sort of thing. But his style of football wasn't really the Tottenham way. Um, you know, 
the club was was struggling and needed needed a bit more than that really and um it was it was a frustrating uh, <laughs> year that he was there Carl, I'll bring you in on this one quickly. So, Darren didn't get a testimonial at Tottenham after all his service. That's something that at the Coy's life asked. Did you feel Darren should have got one for his tenure at Tottenham? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, any, any player that puts the years in deserves deserves that kind of send-off um, because us as supporters want to send a player off like that, you know, because it's not often nowadays that players stick around as, as long as they do to get a testimonial. So, I think everyone was kind of disappointed at that point. Um, it would have been nice that Darren had got his, you know, his kind of testimonial and that kind of thank you for being loyal because it's the one thing that us supporters love in a player, isn't it? Um, and it's our chance then to say thank you. And obviously, you know, the player gets his chance to say, you know, thanks to the fans as well. So it, it was disappointing. Um, and, you know, one of them things that I think, you know, if the club look back on, it's, you know, hopefully be something that they always kind of, you know, feel a little bit guilty about. And, and hopefully, you know, we, we don't go through those sort of things again because, you know, to put that sort of time in, you deserve, and as Darren said there earlier, you know, he's put himself and his body through playing in times where he could have easily turned around and said, no, it's OK, I'll, I don't fancy it today, I'll, I'll pick my money up. And he didn't, you know, he put his body on the line, you know, probably, you know, made himself, you know, say the injury's worse when he could have just sat back and said, no, you're OK, oh, I won't risk this when we needed him as a team because, you know, uh, say I was going regularly at that point and, and some of those you know performances you know it wasn't the best time for us as a club you know as Darren said we never really recovered we never really were doing the right things when we should have been in terms of you know maybe the pl players we were buying as such um, so yeah it was really disappointing because I think we all would have liked the chance to say thank you and I think Darren would have liked the chance to say thanks to the fans well, this yeah exactly I mean for me obviously you know um, I know that you know Daniel and me discussed it and that sort of thing, and you know I you know gave me a couple of dates, and unfortunately the team were away in uh, Asia or something on end of season tours. But the thing for me was that I never got the opportunity to go back and play at White Hart Lane. And that uh, you know, and that would have been the the nice thing for me that I would have been able to say thank you because I did appreciate how well the Spurs treated me the whole time I was there. You know, and you know that I'm sure they got frustrated at times when I wasn't playing and things like that. Of course, not as much as I was, but they always, you know, saw me as one of their own, which um, I'm very proud of. John, have you got any questions you'd like to ask Darren? Uh, I, I, to be honest, I think most of the questions that the, the viewers asked were pretty much on the tip of my tongues, uh, regardless. Other than that, I mean, I think we've obviously seen in the past, uh, in the past fixture against Liverpool, you've got the likes of Jaffetz and Ganga coming into a big 60,000-seater stadium, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And obviously, we've got the likes of Harry Winks, who central midfielder like himself. I know you kind of answered it on, on the Harry Winks front as a central midfielder, but as a youngster, and I know you probably know throughout your own time, going into a team where you're kind of getting thrown at the deep end, what, what, would you, what would you kind of give the advice towards the youth players that they've seen the likes of Harry Kane and where he is now? What, what would you kind of say to them in terms of kind of sticking it out? Well, you just got to keep at it. It's as simple as that. And, and the reality is, I mean, the team aren't playing great at the moment. And that's why the debut, I think, was so good. Because, you know, when I first came to Spurs, I, I struggled um, for sure for the first three or four months. And it was a, it was kind of a new team. There's about six new players. And I, it, I really was thinking, am I should I be here? Am I good enough? And I think that's the main thing. You've got to have that confidence. And once I, the team started to play better, I started to play better, 
before you knew it, you know, I'd set up 20 odd goals before, you know, from Christmas to the to the end of the season. And I felt, oh, yeah, this is what it this is what it's all about. Yeah, I am good enough and I do deserve to be here. And that's that's what it is. You've got to keep that confidence within yourself and just do the right things. OK, the final question for you, Darren, comes from Dexter McQueen. And he asks, quite simply, what was your best ever moment playing for Tottenham? Cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, we didn't win what we, we should have done and those sort of things. Um, winning the 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 Wins and Cup against Leicester was obviously the, a highlight as such. But I think the semi-final probably when we battered Chelsea five-one after having so many going so many years without being able to beat them. It wasn't even like they were a, a good team either. It was just they they really were a bogey team. It was it was a nightmare. So that that night was probably my highlight. Uh, at the club, the atmosphere and everything about it. Right, so I think that brings us to full. Dan, Dan, can I, yes, sorry, mate. Dan, can I throw a question? Yeah, of course, can you can I throw mate. a question at Darren. I think one of the Darren, one of the seasons that I think I can remember having, you know, the ultimate buzz about was the year that obviously Klinsman came yeah, and yeah, yeah. had, you know, the, the brilliant five up top, and obviously that kind of didn't work out the way we want it to. How disappointing was that season? And then how disappointing was it to see someone like Jurgen leave? You know, after only one season at the club, yeah, it was it was it was a tough one, and I think that you know, um, you know, that was you know that year. I, at the end of that season, I could have gone to Manchester United as well or wherever. I mean, it was you know, it was such a shame. And but I really did believe that we were going to go on from that season. Unfortunately, Jurgen left, then Nicky Barmby left, then Popescu left, and then I started picking up the injuries. So it was a you know a real. A real struggle from then. In terms of the the season, I, I still look back on it as probably my favourite at the club. In terms of Jurgen, you know, coming to the club and and you know the Romanian boys. Um, you know, I was enjoying myself as a regular in the England team. We played some great football under Aussie. It's such a shame it didn't work because you know the concept of playing that way was so enjoyable to to be involved in. Um, but then Jerry Francis came in and you know made us defend as a team properly and have a shape and that sort of thing. And from that point where Jerry came in and you know took over, I think you know in points taken we would have been first or second in the league um, for those six months. It really was a great team to play in, and um, the fact that Jurgen went at the time, you know, is absolutely gutted. Totally understood that he'd been away in Italy playing and wanting to go back to home to play in in his country. I completely understood. But if we could have kept that team together for another year, then who knows what could have happened. Right, I think that does bring us up to full time now. But before we head off, a quick bit of admin. Let's get some predictions for the Middlesbrough Cup replay on Tuesday. I know it might be sort of dated by the time you listen to this, but let's do it anyway. So, Darren, I'll give you the floor first. How do you think this Cup replay is going to pan out? Um, I think that we'll, we'll win it and we should win it comfortably. I think uh, Middlesbrough will come and have a right go, especially with Robbie and... Uh, uh, Woodgate there so they're going to be up for it and they're going to get a great reception no doubt so that'll be nice for them uh, I'm going to go for 3-0 OK very impressive John what about yourself mate? I, I agree and bag on with what Darren said I think it's going to be uh, for the first 5 or 10 minutes you're going you're gonna to see Middlesbrough really come at us and probably pin us back a little bit but after that I think our, our more experienced p- players should really take a foothold of the game. And I'm going to go for probably a 4-0. I would like to hopefully see a, uh, a run out for Troy Parrott, if possible, as well. I'm not too sure what's happening with him. This this transfer window it looks like he might potentially be going out on loan. But also hopefully see him sign a new contract. So I'd like to see maybe him get a, get a bit of game time against Middlesbrough. John's confident of a big win. What about yourself, Carl? 
Yeah, I, I think we'll win this game. But do you know what, Dan? I, I think Middlesbrough are going are gonna to score one early and kind of put us through the ringer a little bit nervous-wise. <laughs> yes. um, but then I think we'll kind of get hold of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The standards first, Coleman. <laughs> um, I think they'll nick one early. Um, but then I think we'll kind of see them off gradually and, you know, fitness and everything will take its toll and, and we'll then do a 3-1 a free one victory in the end that will be comfortable. OK, I'll go for that same early goal theory, but I'll go 2-1. But I think the collectively we'll see ourselves in the fourth round and a trip to Southampton away. Right then, so that's pretty much it for this week. If you have any questions or comments for next week, send them either to me at StanTracy1983 or C-O-Y-N underscore C-O-M. Not only that, but if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please leave us a nice review so we can move further up the league table. And I need to thank my guests. So, John, that was a sterling debut. I hope you enjoyed that, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. I uh, hope to uh, be back on some point with uh, hopefully the team performing a little bit better than it is. But uh, thanks very much, nevertheless, guys. Not a problem, mate. And Cole, thank you for your time this evening. Yeah, brilliant. Cheers, Dan. Really enjoyed this one. No problem, mate. And of course, a huge thank you to Darren. Darren, thank you ever so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on. I hope you enjoyed it, mate. Thank you very much. Very enjoyable. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.